Welcome to the Heart of Soul podcast, an exploration of who you are, what you are, and why you are, offering new ways to investigate age-old questions at the heart of you. Hi, it's Joseph, and thanks for listening to the Heart of Soul podcast. This episode completes a three-part series as we zoom out and explore what a cult actually is and is not. The heart of the matter is how one defines victimhood and personal responsibility, especially given the premise that we're responsible for the contents of our unconscious, which we previously offered. Related to this, as always, it's important to listen to these episodes in order and from the beginning. Thanks for listening. Okay, we're back. I never really know how to start these things, so I just say, okay, we're back. Oh, wait, no, but last week, forward. How could I forward, forget? Forward, That's my yes, ailing memory. Forward. Yes, we're forward. That may be the new thing, maybe if I can remember next time to say. And we're forward, like the radio DJ, and we're back. Thanks yes, so much for waiting. That. Yeah. That's <laughs> You got that radio voice thing yes, down there, Joseph. Yes, it's pure cheese. It's it's somehow freeing <laughs> to do for some reason. So last time we <laughs> we we had a, a very sober set of episodes um, setting up. Um, uh, and I definitely want to say, I'm glad I remembered, if you're not listening to these in order, this is going to be a case where it's really important that you have been because... We're going to talk about some stuff today that I think is going to be some of the most controversial and confronting uh, elements of identity that there are. Uh, some of it was confronting for me after learning about it for like, you know, 12 plus years. Uh, and um, when I reconnected with you about a year ago, the, some of this stuff on victimhood was very confronting for me. That was sort of, um, I think, implicit. Uh, in the 1.0 version of the paradigm, but not so explicit. And now it's far more explicit. Um, and um, we're going to talk about that. So if you have not been listening to the previous episodes, stop right now and go back <laughs> because it's uh, you'd be doing yourself a disservice because it's going to be difficult to uh, take in what we talk about today. So thank you, Stace, for Well, well said. Well said. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So we're going to talk about cults, victimhood, what uh, what are other headlines? Those are the only ones I have in mind. Um, they'll I'm sure we'll find several um, uh, um, Alice in Wonderland, black holes. Uh, what do you call rabbit them? holes? The, uh, black holes. Hole. Black <laughs> hole. We'd never come out. That was, that's an infinitely yes. regressive. Yeah. Well, at least according to. I am what I see and evaluate. Right, we don't actually yeah. know, but theoretically speaking, a black know. hole would be a rabbit hole from which there is no escape. Yeah. Yes, our rabbit holes fold in on each other in, in multi-dimensional domain. Uh, Thank arrays. God, unless so. we actually followed a rabbit hole infinitely, and we don't actually know it because it turns out on the other side, you don't you you it, lose it, the meta. It, it might be an yeah, it might be uh like a um uh, um a a machine that goes forever. That's right. Yeah. What do they call those? Yeah. Um, uh, uh, something energy thing. One of those infinite. Energy yeah. Machines. Yeah. Yeah. It might be infinite. Uh, our, uh, the paradigm never runs out of topics. So <laughs> even though, yeah. yeah. Okay. So we're going to be talking about some stuff today and, um, where do we start with, uh, victimhood and, and cults? We talked about, um, I mean, for me, uh, you may have an idea where to start, but, um, 
uh, as you usually do, but what's arising in me is describing a cult as a verb rather than a noun is one of the key distinctions that I think uh, is a, maybe a good place to start, but wherever you want to start. Um, yeah, I think that'll fold in a little more um, uh, directly if I start at a little slightly different okay. place. So, so let's, I, I completely agree. I was just um, editing some um, for an upcoming book uh, in, on this topic and Truly, um, what we're going to talk about today uh, are, is the most disruptive um, positions uh, that uh, that uh, identity possesses relative to Krishnamurti's wonderful thing. It's uh, um, about um, it's not. Um, it's no measure of about, health to be well adjusted to a sick society. Yes, uh, we wouldn't call this um, sick in the way uh, Jiddu did. Mm -hmm. Um, but we, we call it emotively immature, mm -hmm. um, and that, that's our version of sick. And so this, this, these topics today confront directly um, that sick society uh, or emotively immature society still operating on outworn. Um, uh, and I got to jump in there because just that reframe, because that, that Jiddu Krishnamurti quote is brilliant. And it also, um, it negativizes where people are by calling it sick. It's like, is a 10 year old, is a five year old sick because they can't accurately compare volumes of short fat glasses and tall thin glasses? Like that would be cruel. Um, and yes. it, it's yeah. like, it, it's, it's a kind of, um, soulful moral relativism in a way to say like um, depends on where you stand and a, a very mature person um, could comparatively is, is is I guess you can be healthier without the other person having to be sicker maybe is nicely put it. yes exactly right this is so common though in uh, in Far East esotericism especially the Enlightenment models yeah. uh, uh, such a lovely being as um, Ram Das uh, in his last video before he passed. Um, he he made a remark similar. Has the same cat in the same category. He said before uh, enlightenment, technically, um, my life was all about power, 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 power. And after enlightenment, after my awakening, it's all about love, 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 love. There's an innate pathologization of the personal. Yeah. Both the, in both Jiddu's statement, which is brilliant, like you say, um, but it's exclusive. It's excluvational. It's not inclusional. Mm. Um, it, it it pathologizes the personal in a way that e identity confronts. And for Eastern esotericism, that's one of the points that identity is most disruptive about. Also, yeah. So we've got enough disruption yeah. in, in identity to offend anyone. Yes, uh, we're like we're like a good comedian. We <laughs> offend everyone equally. <laughs> equally, right. So yeah, um, uh, let's start out with the statement. Uh, there is no such thing as an adult cult. Mm -hmm. uh, now that's a, that's a statement that will get huge outcries from uh, culty programmers who see the real harm people endure in abusive groups um, where they're manipulated and um, with duplicitous uh, um, agenda of the leaders. Yeah. Um, uh, and, and to people like Rick Ross, who, you know, hearts in the right place in lots of ways, but, um, uh, his paradigm of consciousness, um, limits his ability to see through some of his really deeply held belief systems. So when we say 
uh, identities, um, uh, identities position is there's no such thing as an adult cult. Let, let's describe why. We would never just say that and say, take this on faith, obviously. No. Yeah, that's a, that's a there, headline. A, and I, I want to yeah. insert here, it's, it's, uh, it's a good time to be talking about it because cult research is current as it's, at its current peak and, and evolving more than ever. There's more books about it. There's um, all sorts of shows. HBO's done at least two different series on Scientology. Wasn't that long ago uh, that um, uh, Nexium, the Nexium cult guy, got sentenced just in the last year? Uh, there's this great right. film called Holy Hell that I think you know about. Yes. It's, uh, um, yes. So the interest in, and quote understanding about cults is at its all time high. Unfortunately, mm -hmm. it's radically distorted. Uh, and from our, from from our, our point, point of, view, of view, yeah. And I was listening, I actually gave uh, a listen to the podcast um, by um, the, the guy who directed Mark Vicente. Was it Mark Vicente? Oh, yes. I think you no, know, it was two two people from um, the Nexium cult. I don't remember if Mark Vicente was one of them, but they have a podcast oh, called A Little Bit Culty uh, mm -hmm. or something like that. And uh, I could only listen to one or two episodes because their frame for what a cult was, was that they were entirely preyed upon and had absolutely no contribu contribution to their situation. Uh, and that's yes. the frame for what a cult is. And we're going to talk about why yes. that's uh, not accurate. Yeah. Well, let's, let's start in the, the basics. The, um, there are uh, four qualities to um, a cult uh, for that, uh, an identity's um, opinion. First and foremost, one can, uh, they can't opt out. That is, they're physically unable to escape or leave. Which Scientology okay. has done. Uh, yeah. Yes, and certain culty, we, we use the term cultic yes. instead yes. of culty. Uh, there are flavorings of cultism across the board, uh, but what, what, most adults would call an adult cult, um, they, most of them, 95% of them, 90% of them, you can escape, uh, you can choose to walk out. So as soon as you are, as soon as you're free to physically oh, I see what you're leave, saying. okay, if you're actually because even Scientology did some gnarly imprisonment stuff, but people did leave. And yes, uh, right. and they were able to even though it kind of was structured so that they couldn't but they actually could leave. Yes. So any adult group of any of based on any specific value system where you're allowed to leave, in identity's um, opinion, is not a cult because it infantilizes um, adults as being unable to choose what's good for them, mm -hmm. which is a psychological issue uh, altogether, which we'll address here in this. But podcast, a uh, a cult researcher um, would say. Well, Stace, what about, uh, and there's this term, it's a technical term in cult research called a bounded choice. If, um, uh -huh. if the, uh, the member is um, boxed in in such a way that if they were to leave, the consequences would be so grave that it wouldn't make sense for them to leave, then they, they still have a choice, but they have what's called a bounded choice where it makes more sense for them to stay rather than to leave. So the effect is they don't really have a choice. What about that? Well, b bounded choice, bounded by what? Yeah, what, oh, that's a what, really good what, question. What, what is this? What, what value system determines bounded? Mm -hmm. uh, 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 it's the same thing with brainwashing. Uh, whether you call it bound, bounded choice or brainwashing, uh -huh. these, these are 
these are have no reference uh, uh, referents in the human condition uh, identity offers. Bounded choice and brainwashing, uh, identity would just do away with these. It's like I'm saying uh, purple elephants occur naturally. Um, just there's no, it's null and void as a referent in, uh, in um, human experience. Well, I want to make sure we address uh, the answer to that question. Are, are we going to get to that at some point? Yeah, I was going to do okay, it right okay. now, if yeah. that's okay. That's where I was okay. heading. Uh, identity replaces that with emotively malconditioned. Choice, rather than bounded. Uh-huh. Um, yes, it's our choice mechanisms are downstream of emotive, unconscious emotive woundedness, mm -hmm. not upstream. In other words, uh, almost all cult diagnoses are based in, I think, therefore I am, or I have a brain, therefore I am, or I have a body, therefore I am, which because that's the prevailing um uh, orientation of consciousness since the Renaissance, uh, since Descartes, right? So um, unconscious woundedness shapes our choice mechanisms. It limits it or it opens it up. So if you're looking for what's the source of the boundedness of a bounded choice, um, you're looking at uh, um, unconscious emotive woundedness that is off the radar screen of both uh, deprogrammers and uh, and um, uh, uh, people who uh, help people. So here's um, one way of saying that maybe yeah. the, the, the experience of the participant, the devotee or whatever, the experience they have is that their choice is bounded, but part of the structure of the bound bindedness is their own unconscious. Yes. They have a contribution Correct. to that boundedness. They've chosen it consciously or not. Correct. In other words, uh, and this ties to why I liked what you said at the beginning here, listen to these podcasts in yeah. order, because one of the th one one leg of the tripod that identity is based on is that we are all responsible for the contents of our unconscious. Right. We're not held responsible. We don't hold ourselves on uh, responsible for the content of our unconscious. We are going to relate to the world as adult victims in some right. way. And that's how we'll tie yeah, that exactly. in. Exactly. That's a really important point because the the, yeah. the idea that someone can be victim of an adult cult rests squarely on the idea that um, you're not responsible for being manipulated. That you yes. can be manipulated and have no contribution to it whatsoever. Absolutely. And we'll get to what the contribution yeah. is here directly. Yeah. So that's number one. You it's not a cult if you can physically leave. Sorry, it just isn't. Uh, and in identity's point of view, which is not trying to convince anyone, just offer this to chew on, and that's all. Um, the second point that constitutes a real cult is that the group conditions members to possess certain value systems with specific features, such as what to believe, how to relate to self and others, and the ultimate attainment state that is the goal of the value system. Mm -hmm. Okay, so um, that's pretty self-explanatory, yeah. I think. And would you add anything? To yeah, that? Okay. The, the I would just add it's a it's paradigmatic conditioning. They're they're um, off not just right. offering but forcing a uh, a paradigm on the receivers. Right, exactly, as if they don't have a will. Right. Right. So uh, the third the third element is even if they are free to choose to leave, um, uh, a real cult. Um, uh, make sure that um, there are there is slander, 
there is criticism, uh, sometimes even legal retribution uh, to um, anyone who leaves. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, There is punishment, there is um, alienation, uh, a true cult will shame anyone who tries to leave. Um, As long as you can physically leave, uh, any orientation that you have or any uh, reality that you have, that you have a bound choice your bound choice is a function of uh, unconscious emotional issues that doesn't allow you to see that that the consequences of leaving um, uh, uh, need to be weighed much more rationally uh, and unwoundedly uh, to the uh, downside of staying. Uh, in other words, the threats, uh, for example, that Rainier's group used, uh, Nexium. Uh, they recorded uh, and had uh, uh, notes of confidential interviews they did with people up front before joining that was intended to be used as blackmail later to be made public. This is um, the worst possible um, not toxic kind of uh, uh, bandwidth in in the consciousness of a cult leader. Um, So the, the whole idea about, again, bound choices and brainwashing is null and void in, in, the, in the human conditions, uh, a reality and, and identities. Well, we uh, would say, and Scientology is famous for doing the same thing. They would use the, what do they call them, audits to elicit confidential information up so, front, that they, yeah. up front so they could hold it over you later. So uh, the experience from the participant is, well, I can't leave because otherwise they'll blackmail me. Well, exactly. you made choices Yes. You gave up that confidential information to begin with. Well, how did I know they would use it against me? They Uh, might say, sure, this was done to me. Yes. Well, um, it doesn't matter if you could know or not know uh, what they were going to do with it in one way. Um, Why would you uh, uh, if if I was in such a group, what would keep a person from um, uh, making sure that it was uh, another thing that you brought? was countersigned by them that says you can never use this information to um, uh, use against me. A non-disclosure agreement, for example, exactly. which happens so every day. Yeah. Why don't they do that? Because they want to be liked. They want to be included in the new hot thing because uh-huh. they've heard that this is life transformative. I'm sorry, we have all of our own reasons for putting um, uh, uh, handcuffs on our consciousness. Mm-hmm. They're, they're all in there, but nobody wants to confront them in people who have been abused by adult cults, because then it seems like we're blaming the victim. Yeah. And this is important. Yeah, totally. Identity is not blaming the victim. It's the opposite. It sees through any victim-y stuff at the back end uh, um, as having been chosen at the front end unconsciously by people. And that it's doesn't... And it's not saying that what the the, the predator is, is doing, it's not saying it's okay. It's no, just saying no. that, um, you know, like I always uh, say, um, the weak, sick zebra gets eaten by the lion and mm-hmm. the strongest zebras don't. And if yes. you, uh, you know, when I used to train martial arts, the teacher would, would tell us in, in jujitsu, they would say if they would show, this actually was done, they would show convicted muggers films of people walking down the street and ask which ones they would mug. And they yes. choose the people with headphones on, with arms full of groceries, not paying attention to their surroundings. And right. the, so, but as a society, if we go, well, that person's not paying attention, that's their contribution to getting mugged. People right. would say, well, you're blaming the victim. 
Well, yeah. what what? It's not that it the victim had a contribution. The weak the weak sick zebra gets eaten. If you act like prey, you attract predators. Uh, Who can and, read that out? Who can read that out? Yeah, right. Well, I mean, the nature of the predator does that. It's the same with con men. You know, like they don't just choose people at random. It's, and it's the same way Tony Robbins chooses people in his audience to stand up and do work with them. They can read out who's right on the verge of a breakthrough exactly. and then make it look like they can do that with anyone. But actually, they chose the ripest uh, fruit in the in the drawer. Nicely put. And, and yes, uh, uh, if you open, if you learn to uh, mature consciousness, uh, emoto spiritually, you can see, feel, smell, taste, how, whatever your particular third eye bandwidth yeah. a gift is, the, um, the, the uh, bandwidths of victimhood in women who have been sexually abused, whether mm. or not they are remember it or not. There's a bandwidth that you can pick up, and these predators pick up that bandwidth. Yeah. So this is a, a ter terribly uh, um, difficult thing to try to explain um, without offending anyone. Yeah. But uh, this is not saying a woman who is raped, uh, who is unconsciously sexually abused in childhood, is, is um, we're not blaming her for having that bandwidth. That bandwidth was put into her by a predator when she was a child, yeah. and another predator is simply smelling it. Yeah. Um, uh, that's that's just the way it works. So this whole blame the victim thing is a real twisted up uh, um, uh, a cluster of misinformation and truths used in wrong ways. Here, we're not shaming or blaming any victim for someone who's been the who has been um, let themselves be abused in cults, let themselves be abused. That doesn't criticize them. It says that we're, they were wounded in certain ways that was taken advantage of by predators. You're not, you're not a victim. You're not blamed because you have wounds. We're simply confronting the fact that all adults uh, have some contribution in bandwidths to the abuse that they call to themselves. For identity, the first place we start with someone who's been abused by an adult cult is Okay, what lesson do you think you were supposed to learn from this that you put into your incarnational imperatives? And for that, um, be grateful for the abuse so that you can learn to heal it, the hidden, the hidden unconscious wounds. Why did you draw this? Why did you choose this? There's always, there's always that, no matter how unconscious it is. But because as a society, uh, uh, we are not invited to take responsibility for our unconscious uh, material. And we, we're not even uh, helped to think that that's something that we should do. Yeah, the conditioning, it's like if you look at law, it's there's a winner and a loser. That There's no judge who adjudicates, this was your contribution to the sexual assault or the robbery or whatever right. it was. It's right. you were wronged, you're the, we don't have a word that is a bad thing happened to you and there should be consequences for the person that did it to you, but you have a contribution to how you drew it to you. We don't have a word for that. Yes. There's just victim, which is you are the total victim. You're the total, you're all recipient and no responsibility for this bad thing that happened to you. That's the frame we have in our legal system and in our language. And, and that's why it's, it's infantilizing yeah. to, um, to call an adult a victim when there is con contributions, but for which we're not blaming them. 
Yeah. And this is why this is such a sticky issue in language. Uh, we, we, no one is not wounded. No one uh, has no wound based on consciousness. Everybody does. <laughs> Everybody does. It's just that certain bandwidths are taken advantage of by predators in cults. Yeah. So let's finish. Let's finish that off, and we'll continue here. Um, mm -hmm. The fourth. The fourth. Um, what was the third is, again? I'm not sure if we. Yeah. I just want to hear that one more time. Sure. The third one is even if the members do leave, they're penalized in some way. Even if they can leave, they're penalized, shamed, um, and uh, otherwise blackmailed into staying. Uh, yeah. And so that's an incontrovertible, in identity's opinion anyway, incontrovertible um, element of a real cult. Mm -hmm. And the last but not least, and this is one of the most compelling, is that um, a, a, a real adult is where there is a leader who is counter-transferring his or her wounds into needing the attention, glorification, uh, sanctification, edification of followers for their own wound-based needs. And counter-transference, just to define for people, it always sort of annoyed me that there's a special word for it. Counter-transference is just projection from an authority figure to the subordinate. Um, yes. Uh, it's always sort of annoys me that there's a special term for that. It's because it's still just projection, but I just yeah. wanted to insert that. Yeah, uh, I think I think the reason why I I know what you mean. The reason I like that there's a, a term is is because there is more responsibility and yeah. authority than there is in a follower. Yeah, uh, there's contributions equally, but but yeah. always the always the if there's any integrity at all left in a in a predator. Um, uh, cult leader, uh, they have to take uh, at least 60% of the 65% um, uh, in most cases of the responsibility because they created a toxic atmosphere that took advantage of those unconscious wound bases in people. In fact, the whole thing that started happening in the 80s about news spins, here's another rabbit hole, all was based on this principle, predation by uh, money owners, corporate interests that want to hook people or sell a product. Um, uh, it's all about taking advantage of weak spots. So the person agrees to buy the product or the right. service. Well, what happened this to is, caveat emptor, which is a pretty <laughs> old idea that uh, the buyer yeah. must beware. Um, yeah. If I buy something on, on uh, eBay, uh, and it comes, it, it, uh, they, they, they send me a broken thing or something that they did not advertise. Who's the bad guy there? Mm -hmm. Well, obviously the seller, but, and I'll try to get remuneration, but I'm not a victim. I chose to buy something from someone who may or may not have integrity in the product yeah. that they're selling. Yeah. So this is, this is the kind of world we live in. And, and, and there's predation everywhere in every direction. So back to the original. So let's let's cap those, and uh, those four. One more thing. And there's an increasing in our society right now, there's an increasing sense of victimhood where people um, think that they're entitled to not be offended, which yes. is a whole other uh, rabbit hole. It's going more and more uh, in that uh, direction. We can't get can't that get words are violence. Uh, in that way, I can't even go to the DeSantis thing in Florida um, about which don't one? Say <laughs> don't say gay. You know, because oh, don't say back. gay. <laughs> Okay, that's another another podcast. So yeah. let's recap those four because the, this is yeah. the linchpin that for the whole foundation of identities of opinions and offerings here. Mm -hmm. 
uh, a real cult, you can't physically leave. You can't, you can't opt out. You are bound there. You can't leave uh, physically. Second is um, uh, there's conditioning into a certain belief system that tells you what's really valuable and what's the ultimate attainment state uh, that the group uh, centers around. The third is uh, even if the members can leave, um, they're shamed or, or otherwise um, alienated, punished for leaving. And the fourth is that the cult, a cult leader is, um, is counter-transferring their own unconscious needs for glorification or um, edification by their followers. Uh, there isn't one uh, group that I, uh, adult group that I know of that qualifies uh, to all four of those. Yeah, uh, I figured that's where you were going. Yeah, for any adult, that's never the case. Never the case. Now, there, if it's two or three of those in there, as my own school had, um, you can call that cultic. Yeah. But um, there was never, no, always uh, someone could could leave all the time. Mm -hmm. But um, uh, uh, so that's the only one that was out. Uh, the, the, the last one, I had needs of counter-transference of followers and students. Um, I tough loved people, which made, um, which said you can't come anymore if you don't do it my way. And so that qualifies for shaming uh, on them. And uh, uh, it also conditioned people to a certain uh, value system and the goal of uh, the attainment. So three out of four, I had versions of. Oh, I don't know about, yeah, versions of, I mean, the, versions. the, uh, I mean, you were always very clear about that this is being offered and you can test, you're here to test it out as opposed to, you know, Christianity. I mean, you taught actively, no one has access to absolute truth. Which, including me. <laughs> yeah, including you, which Christianity, Islam, his Hinduism, there's lots of people who cannot say that. Right. Um, uh, for any 1.0 listeners, uh, I'm always, you know, keeping the listener uh, perspective in mind. Uh, uh, I think they would, they would say if, there were definitely some negative consequences of leaving. Uh, people were not, um, you know, uh, slandered in like, uh, or targeted like to the degree of Scientology level stuff, but there were some negative consequences there. There were some sure. bounded feeling choices, but, um, sure. yeah, but I love this. This is a new distinction for me, the cultic versus a cult. Yes. Uh, this is, I haven't heard this before and I got, I get where you're going because there is only actually one kind of cult, right? Yes. Which we'll get to here in a moment. Yeah. And, uh, uh, and so the reason that I say the versions of that, now there are degrees of each of these four. And because uh, identity, I always taught, as you said, that uh, uh, no, one, no one can ever know absolute truth, that watered down the severity of those three in some way. It, yeah. it, it gave oxygen to it. And I wanna but, add, I'm sorry to interrupt. I'm just too excited about this conversation. There's one more thing I want to add. Um, you know, I started out as a business coach 20 years ago, and I've made it more and more psycho-spiritual in some ways. But there have for sure been ways that uh, I've had cultic dynamics. Um, I noticed when people wanted to leave, and I could see that their uh, unconscious resistance and hidden motives were... Uh, at play and wanting to leave. Um, I had a colleague once who said, yeah, generally people uh, quit about three months before the breakthrough, <laughs> which is like, ah, you know, it's crazy making, especially when you can see it. And there have been probably 50 plus times where I was um, counter-transferring my own issues in a cultic way, trying to keep the person in 
ostensibly so that they can get that breakthrough, but also hidden motives of control and wanting to get the breakthrough to happen because of it would make me look good and all sorts of stuff like that. So you don't have to be a charismatic, uh, paradigmatic, uh, <laughs> a breakthrough person to exhibit cultic dynamics. These are these are not um, not rare, certainly. Yes, correct. So now that we've said, thanks for that. That was a great way uh, to um, put an adjective and adverb to our noun yeah. here. Mm -hmm. the, the, so the, what we've just been doing is explaining uh, the offering by identity that there's no such thing whatsoever of an adult cult because you'd have to have all four of those in identities rubric uh, uh, of how to benchmark what a cult, an adult cult is. That's pretty disruptive. Very. And, I, you know, if you look at the, you know, the top 10 signs you're uh, in occult things on the Internet, you see stuff like specialized language that they encourage you to use, which sure. is like like becoming a doctor, that kind of specialized like jargon, like any area of expertise or study does. Like if you really unpack with uh. critical thinking those lists. Um, yes. They, you know, encouraging you to try behaving new ways like what, like a therapist does? You know, it's like they're really, they don't pass critical thinking muster very well at all. No, but, but, but I understand and feel why there are the Rick Rosses of the world and those kinds of lists because their heart's in the right place. They care about people suffering. But mm -hmm. what they're doing is projecting unheal things in their own issues by taking trying to take care of other people the classic um uh, uh um codependence of of the helper yeah. uh th th that we are drawn to help people because we don't know how to help ourselves in those same domains yeah. so so that was that's pretty disruptive but here's the most disruptive thing identity has to offer there is only one true cult and that is the family yeah. You know, people say uh, the only thing worse than having a family, adults say this a lot, the only thing worse than having a family is not having one at all. Um, oh, God. I've never but, heard of um, that. <laughs> yeah. That's now, chilling. It is chilling. Uh, and that speaks to the very cultism that is inherent in, in childhood. In other words, the, the, the family is the perfect cult. It tells when you say there are cultic flavorings, even in a business coach, mm -hmm. where did those come from? Yeah. Did they come out of the, uh, the oxygen of the air, like photosynthesis? Where mm -hmm. did they come from? Uh, the family is the only group that qualifies on all four points incontrovertibly. Let's you go over them one more time, each one yeah, by one. Children, <laughs> children can't escape. You, right. Uh, maybe at 12, uh, like they used to do in the Middle Ages, uh, uh, but now uh, you, you uh, children, uh, if a child decides to leave at 16 or 17, they're in for a world yeah. of problems. The earliest uh, you can be, what do they call that, emancipated is like 16 yes. or something, right? Yeah. So from zero to 16, when all when identity offers all the damage is done in family unit is family systems by the time you're nine or eight or nine years old, yeah. those are all have been inculcated uh, into the child that's completely off the radar screen of of, of parenting experts um, in, in identity's opinion. So you, the children can't leave. There's number one. Second, the um, the second one is that. Um, we're the the people in the in the group this is the family now are conditioned into certain value systems uh and forced what the upon goal, them 
Uh, uh, and held absolutely a, true. This is the way it is, my way or the highway. Exactly. Uh, as long as you're in this house, you go to church. As long as you're in this house, whatever. Um, you know, it's like uh, sometimes when I'm talking to people uh, that, I, that I work with, I suggest to them saying to their 12-year-old something like, around 12, whenever it feels right. So for the first 12 years of your life, I've given you the values and beliefs that has looked true to me. But you're becoming a young adult now. Maybe I'm wrong about some things. I want you to start thinking independently. I want you to start challenging me. You don't have to go to church or temple or whatever anymore. I want you to arrive at what your truth is. Maybe you're a Democrat, not a Republican, or vice versa, or whatever. And no parent ever does that, ever. Certainly, certainly the <laughs> barest minimum. Yeah, never, never and always are tough ones for me. Of course. But, yeah, yeah, but, but your what point parent is, has the guts right. to say, maybe I was wrong about this value system I've shoved down your throat for the last 12 years. Find out for yourself. You know, that's exceedingly rare, I'm sure. Let, let, let's, let's put this where the rubber meets the road. Why is it cultic for a cult, uh, a, a, an adult in an adult group, for a leader to make it hot their way or the highway, but healthy for a parent to do it to a helpless child who has no other paradigm of human life to compare it to. And not even the vocabulary to protest, the not, not even the consciousness to go, well, what about other things? They, they literally don't even have the vocabulary to, to offer something alternative. And that. they're right there, and that point is a pivot moment here, Joseph, in our heartful confrontation of this whole topic is, is that, that when we fall prey to what we call the control uh, or abusiveness of an adult cult, the only reason the people um, are ripe for the picking is because their parents did similar things that wound up being toxic to their own soul field or heart field with no freedom in the past to choose their own way, as you so beautifully just articulated. And then there's another sort of way to invert it is the reason we're so against cults in our society is because of the cult we were in as children. Yes. But, but we can't, but the average person can't see that because they're still trying to protect their mother and father and their own, um, uh, you know, flawed and wounded identity. Because if they see that they were actually raised in a cult, then they'd have to do something about it. Yes. Uh, what a okay. twisted mess. Oh, it is. Uh, identity refers exactly to everything you just said as the cult, the worldwide cult of family values mm. that um, that tox toxify consciousness in children when parents are not emotively mature before they have children. Uh, uh, and this is endemic, not pandemic, endemic yeah. to the human uh, world. Uh, uh, um, so, and again, and now let's take this moment to say, we're not blaming parents who do yes, the best yes. they can do, who were taught a certain way by their parents, who were taught a certain way by their parents. And we're not blaming parents, we're blaming paradigms of parenting. Yeah, that's what we're criticizing here. Uh, I can tell I could hold forth on all the ways uh, my family was a cult very clearly without without a lot of um, pain anymore, because mm -hmm. I've healed through 
on uh, facing into it uh, to a large degree. But though though we are toxified by any parent who is, well, let's go through the piece. We just said the the first one and the second one, uh, they all condition children into certain value systems. And when they hold those value systems toxically, absolutely, the children have nowhere to go. It's they're they're punished if they're not. Uh, my my right. father um, uh, would not let me go to church one time unless I I trimmed my my sideburns. Oh God! Uh, which is uh, growing up in the early sixties. I was a little ahead of my time. I was growing so I could grow grow things on my face pretty early. <laughs> um, and at one point, uh, 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 he told me. He, if, if I refused, he'd kick me out of the house. I was 13 or 14. No, I was 14 or 15. Wow. Um, uh, and I actually lived in my car that I paid for myself by working when I was younger. Um, I had to live in my car for two days until my mother caused him mm. to relent. Wow. Good for you. I, so I, I remember at 12, I didn't want to go to Hebrew school and I didn't want to get a bar mitzvah. And I remember vividly my mother said that I had to because otherwise her mother would disown her. If I wasn't bar mitzvahed. Now, now there, that's a beautiful example of cultic behavior. Yeah. Why the only the worldwide cult of family values blinds us to, as I used to say early on in my teaching career, you can call it a career. I don't, I wouldn't. Uh, what goes on beyond behind closed doors? Yeah, it isn't illegal by our rule of law, mentalized, conceptualized frameworks. The damage that's being done is 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 you cannot put an adequate phrase to capture it all. The toxicity of parents who doing the, the doing the best they know how to do still cultify their children. And, and create them to be susceptible to adult cults later. That that right. mother, the actress mother in the ne- Nexium, uh, um, it's just public yes. domain, so I can speak yeah, yeah. to this. The, uh, the, the uh, movie star mother uh, of that child groomed yeah. her daughter, innocently groomed. She didn't know she was grooming them, bless her heart, into a world of wealth and narcissism of, the number of pictures, photographs they showed in that on that in that right. um, uh, 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 in that uh, documentary of of the snapshots that the, the camera was glorifying the daughter. That was all the mother uh, 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 cultifying her daughter into a world based in in physical beauty and wealth. Mm-hmm. Okay, so unbeknownst to her, bless she she was the reason she introduced the daughter even to the cult, right. which. Um, which is ironic to a, to the nth degree, uh, because actually she introduced her to it way before when she herself was raised in a world that glorified fame, beauty, and money, uh, 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 and all that goes along with that. And that so was all it, in, just if people want to watch it, it was called The Vow. That was the HBO series yes, called The Vow. Right. Um, yeah, and again, thing. I, I, my heart goes out to the mother in one way, and not or, and right and she's she has contribution to why her daughter did and no cult deprogrammer is going to reflect that to her heartfully and soulfully right um so this is why who are you going to blame the parents were, were were toxified by their parents toxified by their parents toxified by their parents um all because there's no parenting paradigm out there 
that starts with that we, we are emotive first. We feel, therefore we are. No parent paradi parenting paradigm is based on, on emotivity as the prime mover of human and, consciousness. And that's the path to self-authority. I wanted to say this before, but I knew we'd get to it eventually. The, the problem with playing victim to, for example, an, an adult cultic thing and thinking that it's you're being manipulated is you're siphoning off your power, but the price you pay for not looking at your contribution to the thing that happened to you yes. is you're relating to that thing as it happened to you, you had no contribution, therefore you have no power. And that's what unconsciously is going on somewhere in the person that appears good, that yes. I, I have no power here, that's how it's felt since I was a kid, and see this now validates that experience, bad things happen to good people, I'm a victim, and so yes. on. And that ceilings off people at a certain level of personal power. And that qualifies as, to me, uh, uh, cultic abuse. Yeah. Uh, it, it, uh, the, re the, the origin of that. Yeah. So that goes right into the third one here for the family. Um, even if you, if you disagree with the authority in this case, um, you're shamed or punished. Uh, this is just the way it is. If you don't, you don't. If you don't um, uh, listen to your mother say "shut up" uh, because you're making too much noise, um, it's it, they shame you and punish you for not following the dictates of the authority. Is this inevitable in some ways in families? Of course it is, but there are ways to do it that don't shame, that don't shame, or don't. You're giving your mother a massive headache. Don't you care about your, don't you love your mother? Will you please be quiet? This is what our family got. Uh, yeah. Uh, the, the, now there's a case of the fourth piece, mm -hmm. which is parents counter transferring, needing something from their kids. Yeah. As soon as someone, I, I still, it's like chalk on a, on a, on a chalk or a, a yeah, chalk on a blackboard, fingernails on a blackboard, Joseph. Anytime a woman, says i want a baby oh god i, I just want to tear my skin off yeah because what they're saying i can feel why they say that they want a teddy bear they want something to love they want something to cuddle oh i want but they tell themselves well it's maternal instinct and but there are emotively mature mother to be or mother possible would never say i want a baby they would be scared shitless <laughs> yeah. if they were actually authentic. I don't know what kind of mother I'm, which some some do. Sure. I don't know what kind of mother I will be, but I won't know until I find out. I know I'm going to have a lot of my stuff pushed up by being a mother or a father or being a parent. But this is a human being, and I want to bring I want to bring a soul into human expression with this, and I know that's how sacred yeah. having a child is. Yeah, most people put more thought into buying a new car than having a child. It's outrageous. They just that's what you do. Let's do it. Like what? <laughs> right, and that comes under the category of parent countertransference. Parents, the I would say sixty to seventy percent of parents have kids, so someone will love them. Yeah. Yeah, and if you survey people, they sometimes say it. People actually they will, they, will they're say. They're proud of that. They yeah. are, that's using a soul to gratify holes in your own emotive body development. Mm -hmm. this, is, this is, there should be laws against this. Of course, there isn't because 
human beings are there uh, basically i think therefore i am i have a body or i have a brain therefore i am that's the prevailing par- meta paradigm that blocks out all of these kinds of truths one of and my our mo- horror one of my mother's uh, coded uh, words or phrases for that was i remember being 10 11 12 and and she would say um demandingly it's a two-way street i do things for you you do things for oh. me and yeah and I remember vividly always kind of not liking that, and I could feel something was wrong with it. But, you know, at 10, 11, 12, I don't have the, the right. paradigm. I mean, the paradigm, there's a great example. Her paradigm is it's a two-way street. I have needs that you're supposed to meet of mine, and, the, and I don't have any alternative to that paradigm. I can feel something doesn't feel right about it, but what can I do with that? I'm, I'm stuck there. As if your peers, as if we're peers, yeah. Parents, and then I, and then yeah. I spend the rest of my adult life trying to sort out um, the trigger I get from when a woman, a peer woman, has a need for me. Then that all of that wounding ends up in that space, and that's how I'm continuing to have to clean that up. So, another the another chalk uh, fingernail on the chalkboard for me is you see this in movies all the time, and oh, you yes. hear it. The last and the worst is. So while daddy's gone, little man, oh no, make sure you take care of mommy. No, and she, I want there, there, I rip, want to rip my eyeballs out, not yep. just my skin, my skin. That it's out there in the the worldwide cult of family values. That it's the job of the child to take care of the parent. Yeah, even in in in, in older ages where the parents are infirm. Mm-hmm. It's not a job. It's a heart chosen thing. It's not a duty. It's right. love that makes you take care of parents. In this case, mm-hmm. they want five and 10 and 12 year olds to take care of mommy or daddy while mom, the other partner is out of the ton, out of the, out of the city yeah. or something or not home. So yeah. that's the, those, those kinds of things are the ultimate imprimatur of this fourth element of counter transference in identity an emotively mature parent has no emotional needs of the children because they've healed it in themselves. None whatsoever, which liberates them to only then try to raise this fledgling soul, trying to learn how to be a soul in planet Earth, which is hard enough. Um, even, even in an idealized parenting and identity's point of view, it's still going to be difficult. It's not an end. You know, identity parents who are more emotively mature aren't going to create he- emotively healthy people all the way down line, but they're going to be way less burdened with and, these kinds of relational distortions. And we can insert here that the, the reputation, the bad reputation that teenagers have of being rebellious, that's just a, um, a, uh, a cult member attempting to exit. Basically, and so they're rebelling because they're starting to think for themselves. They don't know how to push back. They can't say, well, thanks, mom and dad, for shoving your value system down my throat for the last 15 years. I've got some alternative ideas I'd like to try on. They they don't have the maturity, the vocabulary, the consciousness to be able to do that. But that's Mm -hmm. actually what's happening. And it's that's when the parent is supposed to be able to see, oh, look, they're sort of departing from what I taught them. Well, maybe they have some ideas. How can I support that? Because it, the, the adult child may or may not share the value system of the parents, and the parents have to be at peace with that. 
Otherwise, they would have an emotional need of their kids to also be Democrats, to also be Christians, to also be whatever, and that would be an emotional need. Instead of the only real need they should have is for their kids to grow up and be themselves. That's the need. Human parents are the only parents in, of all the living um, uh, reproductive, uh, uh, conscious reproductive uh, uh, beings on the planet. It's the only species that does not liberate children into life. Uh, Ameri- uh, um, uh, humans bind children mostly to them in life, bind yeah. them to themselves. That's why I love, um, uh, what's his name in the, uh, on parenting, uh, on children. Um, uh, that one poem I have at the end of, of one chapter in my book, can't think of it at the moment. I'll come back to that. It's like uh, parents- uh, Khalil Gibran. Yes, Gibran. Yeah. yeah, he's got this amazing, uh, 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 just a short poem about the pro- proper parenting for which identity is so, every line, every word, it resonates with human, uh, identity's um, picture of parenting. So, so again, there are no such thing as adult cults, according to identity. You, many people probably switched off the podcast on that one. But the ones that, that did stay, another whole percentage probably switched off the podcast, saying the only real cult is the family. Yeah. But in the context of non-blaming parents and blaming our parenting paradigms instead that are based in woefully inadequate consciousnesses of what a human being really is and the complexity of consciousness that a human being represents. So there are we could have we could talk on this um, so many different iterations in, in life, but um, and it's not again, please, for the s- several times we say we're not blaming parents. We're blaming parenting. And and it's actually out of a desire to empower, like we said yes. before, because as, yeah. when someone is playing victim, it's it's such a, such a tricky frame because the playing victim seems in one way empowering. Like, I'm outraged this bad thing happened to me. Right. It right. seems empowering because it looks like the person's standing for what's right. But right. until they get what their contribution was they're actually siphoning off their power on a more subtle level. And and that's the really tricky thing. People think being offended and being outraged is somehow empowering, but it's, it's this, you know, the, what is that sound in the fury line from Shakespeare? It's just a lot of noise, like flexing, but it's not real power. Real power is like, yeah, this happened to me and that shouldn't have happened. I don't know. It shouldn't. And I didn't like that that happened or it was wrong that they did that to me. And, uh, how did I draw that to me? What what was the lesson I needed to learn so that I can never make that mistake again? That's the empowerment piece that really gets yeah. traction. Well, and you know, it's um, our identity along those lines believes in the family so much mm. that it wants to call on the carpet the toxic versions versions of it that pass as normal, that are normalized so deeply we don't even notice them. Yeah. In, what, in reference to what you said about teenagers, um, teenage rebellion is proof. It's payback time, yeah. another way to say it. And uh, identity offers that a child, the first 15, 12 years, 13 years that are raised by emotively mature parents will never exhibit a teen rebellion phase. Yeah. Hollywood took that archetype 
that made career. Marlon Brando, James Dean in our day, you know, uh, uh, would never have had a career if it wasn't for Teenage Rebellion. And, right. and to this day, it's still lionized as something sexy and edgy. And it's toxic. It has its roots in parents who would not, did not have consciousness space about what they were doing with their value systems, shoving them down the throats of children. Mm. So this is all to bring this to a close here, uh, or at least to an ending at this point, uh, I think yeah, we could talk yeah. some more about this, Joseph. Mm -hmm. It's, it's, um, there is so much to human consciousness that our worldwide institutions, spiritual, religious, psychological, and humanistic, secular or spiritual, um, on all sides of the coin, don't know about human consciousness because either you've rejected fairy tales of religions, you think that Eastern esoteric stuff is just people falling into their navels, um, or that um, uh, there can't be any God uh, because it doesn't seem to answer any prayers and allows evil to be, don't you know? All of these questions are just so indicative. There's an answer to every one of those identity can offer that, has, that, 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 that belies the fact that those are distortion questions that only come out of ignorance of how deeply and sold we all are and have never been taught by any spiritual or secular orientation about who, what, and why we really are in identity's opinion. So none of this is, uh, I will continue voicing these opinions until I can, I encounter a dead end. And I've been trying to find the dead ends in, in a lot of uh, identities uh, positions for almost 40 years um, uh, in different versions of it. And I haven't found any yet, and that frightens me a little. Yeah. But I have people like you um, and, and, and a couple other people, a half a dozen people in my world who ask the most incisive questions. And, and when they think they hit a dead end in identity, they ask me. And then I explain, well, here's what, how I would answer that. And they go, oh, that takes care of it. So <laughs> uh, I, haven't, I haven't found one yet. And I know there are haters out there or internet trolls who I'm sure I think they could get me on one of them. But if they ever did, if, if you or anyone else, mal-intentioned or, or uh, hard-intentioned, if you've helped me find a dead end or a contradiction in one of the domains that contradicts something in another domain, I'd be, I want to know it because... I'd want to clean it up what what my own misunderstanding and my own paradigm is. Well, I, I, you know, all models have limits and uh, yeah. the only limit uh, that I can see in identity is uh, uh, how damn hard it is to embody. <laughs> and how brutal it is, how difficult it is, the standards, the, uh, the high standards it has and how few people can relate to it. Those are the only limits that I see. Well, that's lovely. That's context uh, limits, right? Yeah. Um, um, and as I said in, la in our last podcast, uh, I'll, I'll forever be a flawed human being. Um, mm. I, I'm far less important than the paradigm. Uh, the paradigm is what must go on. I, I'll die here in the next 20. I'm 70 now, and I, I, I'm still learning about it. Um, uh, uh, I'm still learning how to embody. I, I taught this stuff long before I ever mm. learned to embody it. And, and, and along the lines of we teach best what we most need yeah, to learn, yeah. right? And fail, fail um, again, uh, uh, again, fail better. better. Um, this is the true truth for all of us, not just me. 
So the fact that I've had trouble until now embodying, walking the talk of identity doesn't doesn't um, undermine identity. It yeah. just shows my flawed evolution of healing um, touched how I related to the paradigm, not the paradigm itself. So that's kind of where I would kind of say today that um, uh, these disruptive positions are held with an op the open hand of beginner's mind, not the closed fist of absolutism. Um, try telling a non-dual master when they says, oh, we accept ego. Really, you accept that it actually might be real and not an illusion? <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. Well, then you can't say you accept it. If you don't have the opposite, they say they've transcended duality, but they're stuck in one of the deepest dualities of all. That non-duality so, is better than duality. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes, because don't you know, as as Ram Dass said, it's power, power, power before enlightenment and love, love, love after enlightenment. Um, no, it's not that simple. It's not mm -hmm. that simple. As lovely a being as he was, and as much as I liked him and valued what he did have to say in a certain bandwidth about enlightenment, it's precious and wonderful. It's limited. It's um, too broad brush uh, stroke as all non-dual teachers are in the world today. But no more narrowly bandwidth than secularism or religionism or right, humanism. Just more subtly so. More subtly with more good truth in it than most yeah. religions, you know. So thanks for this. Um, uh, if any of you out there have ever felt, like Joseph said before, um, a feeling about something but didn't have words for it, that's the thing that identity most of the years I've been working with, and yeah. that's 40 years now. Uh, uh, what it gives people is, oh, my God, you just put words to something I felt and I had no vocabulary for. In fact, I had no category in my yeah. mind for such a possibility. Yeah. That's what identity most often elicits in people who have enough curiosity to not be off put too quickly by its disruptive offerings. Um, hang on. Take a breath. We're all in this together. There's no elitism in any of these. It's only how can we do better, especially and most especially in today's topic of parenting. Amen. Well, thank you, Stace, for this insightful and uh, productively, I would offer, disruptive uh, episode on what an actual cult is. If this was interesting to you, dear listeners, much more disruption to come. Um, I don't. I don't know where we're going next. Uh, you probably know better than I do, Stace. But uh, well, yeah, I do. My third eye is telling me. But um, let, let's leave with that one, yeah. Joseph. Uh, there is such a thing as heart-based disruption. Yeah. Not just will-based disruption. Yeah. So that's what we strive to do. I'm not perfect at it, but I'm I'm a hell of a lot better than I used to be. So um, disruption is what? That's the only way we change, right? Uh, all growth is based in some sort of disruption. Yeah. Can you be heartful and soulful about your disruption and not blaming? Yes, it's possible, but only if you engender emotive maturity in your own consciousness. High CQ, forget about IQ. CQ, consciousness quotient. IQ That's is overrated. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. All of our, all of the travail in our world is created by people with higher IQs and lower CQs uh, um, who are leading the masses, as it were, 
So anyway, there's another rabbit hole. Look how fast I know, that consciousness is. quotient. We'll do a whole episode on that maybe one day. Thank you so right. much, Stace. And thank you all for listening. And please tune in next time. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to the Heart of Soul podcast. To learn more about Stace Barron and Identity, please visit identity.org. To learn more about Joseph Shapiro, visit clearandopen.com. Until next time, we wish you well on your journey.